שנים רבות, נעימות וטובות, קהל קדוש. As you know, פשוט מעלת הרב, שיחיה לאורך ימים ושנים. I think you know already by now how much admiration I have for the congregation. This has become an official stop on the train. We know that we come here anytime there's something important, whether it's Yamim Noraim or Pesach, we know we have a date where we come and we're able to hopefully reveal some of the understanding of what we're about to do. I'm committed to continue this Minhag Tov, and it's always good to see the Kahal flourishing, I hope, in good health and good spirits. ‫באושר וכבוד מעתה ועד עולם, ‫אמן כן ירצו. ‫ברוך הבא לגברה רבה. ‫-ראש השנה אמן. There's one service on Yom Kippur that caught my attention. It's documented in the Gemara Yoma on page 19. Here the Gemara says that before the Kohen Gadol would go into the Kodesh Kodashim, the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur, which is the main service, he takes the Ketoret and he goes in and he brings the incense This is a service that he does once a year. So it says, they make him swear. Mashbi'im oto. Al mi shishiken et shemo babayet zeh. On the name of God, that his presence fills this house. Shelo yeshaneh. That he will not deviate from the tradition. And uh, the question is, What is he swearing exactly? What, what, what are we concerned that he might deviate? I mean, after all, he's a Kohen Gadol. Do we make every rabbi, before he comes into the Bet Knesset, take an oath 
that he's not going to deviate, you're the rabbi. We trust the rabbi. If you can't trust the Kohen Gadol, who, who, who could you trust? So the service that he's fulfilling, he's on the road. <clears throat> so the explanation the Gemara says is because you have to go 2,000 years ago. In Klan Yisrael, you had two factions. Today you have 200 factions, but in those days you had two factions. You had what's called the Pirushin. Pirushin, what we would call today the religious, the orthodox, the authentic. And then you had Tzedukin. Tzedukin were the, uh, today you'd call them, I guess, uh, the modern or the liberal, you know, or, I mean, forgive me, uh, I know you people are not so politically correct, the conservative, the reform, you'd put them in that section. Tzedukin, they believe that uh, the Torah is from heaven, but that's it. They didn't believe in the oral tradition. They didn't believe in the Gemara, the Talmud. And therefore, they felt that they could offer their own interpretations to the Torah. And they, uh, they shunned the tradition of Moshe Rabbeinu through the Chachamim. And there was always mahlukot between the two groups over there. The authentic ones, the Pirushim say, we do it this way. And the Tzidukim would say, nah, we do it this way. Now obviously the Pirushim are right, but the Tzidukim were very wealthy and they had a lot of power and they had a lot of influence. That's the way it always is. And um, could you believe it, that at a certain point, a lot of Kohanim Gedolim were Tzidukim. Now you ask me how. <clears throat> they paid off the Roman government and uh, they were able to, uh, to land these lucrative positions. So now we get to a big mahloket. I'm teaching you now Dean. Big mahloket between the way the Pirushim interpret and the way the Tzidukim. I, mean, what, I think you know the famous one. But it has nothing to do with tonight, but I'll tell it to you anyway, because I think some of you eat Hamin on Shabbat. Ashkenazim, they have Chulant. 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 Sveradim. Sveradim. Kodim is a Hamin. Anybody know why? What do you mean why? Because it's delicious. Why? I have to explain why you have something delicious. It's delicious. It tastes good to eat it. You don't ask questions. No, but there's a halakhic reason. Because one of the famous mahlukot between Tzidukim and Pirushim was that the Tzidukim read a pasuk in the Torah. It says, They read the pasuk, you're not allowed to have a fire in your house on Shabbat. Even if you lit the fire before Shabbat. So if you go to a Tzidukim's house, what are they doing? They're closing all the lights. They're blowing out all the candles. Uh, They shut the heat. So if you get invited to a Tzidukim's house in the winter, don't go, don't accept, because you'll catch cold. Because they shut the heat, and I'll have to have fire in the house. Now, the Pirushim said, you're wrong. What the Torah means, you're not allowed to light a fire. But if you have a fire from before Shabbat, it's okay. So in order to show that the Tzidukim are wrong, the rabbi said, you must eat Hamin on Shabbat. Now the only way you can have hot food on Saturday morning is if the fire was on Friday night, heating it up. So therefore the eating of the hamin is a slap in the face against the Duki philosophy. To the extent one of the rabbis said that if you go to somebody's house on Shabbat 
and he doesn't serve you hamin, you have to suspect maybe Hasbe Shalom, he's from the Siduki family over there, and now you have to, uh, you know, make sure, make sure you, you can be careful from such a guy. Don't let your daughter go out with this guy's son. <laughs> So interesting, Hamin is not only a, 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 a delicacy, but it's a, it's a philosophy. It's, a, it's, it's explaining authentic Judaism. Well, on Yom Kippur, there was one of the most monumental arguments between these two groups. Everybody agrees you got to bring the Ketoret, special Ketoret on Yom Kippur. And everybody agrees the Ketoret is brought in the Kodesh Kodashim. No argument on that. It's Bifirush, it says it in the Torah. So where's the, where's the contention? The question is, when do you take the ketoret and pour it on the coals? Authentic Pirushim believe the Kohen would go into the Kodesh Kodashim with the coals in one hand and with the ketoret in another. And then when he gets into the Holy of Holies, exactly, he pours the ketoret in his hands and then he places it on the uh, coals, and the v'habayit yimaleh asham, Kodesh Kodashim fills with smoke, and then the smoke wafts throughout the, uh, throughout the temple. Tzidukim, however, say, no. Same ketoret, same coals, but when do they pour the ketoret on the coals? Before they get into the Kodesh Kodashim. And therefore, they want already the cloud to start wafting outside of the Kodesh, and then they enter the Kodesh Kodeshim. You understand the Malokit? So now, how are we going to know if the Kohen Gadol is going to do it right or wrong? So that's why before the process, we make the guy lift your right hand up and go on the oath. Swear to us on your life that you're not going to deviate and do uh, uh, the service like the Sidukim. And the guy, the Kohen, cries. And he says, well, what you suspect me? I'm a Siddhuqi, I'm a religious guy. I'm a Bichet. And they cry also because they feel bad that they're suspecting him. But they have no choice. This is the way they ensure that it's going to be done correctly. So I said to myself, is there something deeper between this Mahloket over here? There must be a deep understanding why the Tzidukim did what they did, and why we did what we did, and why we're so strict to make sure that the Kohen Gadol will not deviate. So I want to explain it, Be'ezat Hashem, but I have to go a certain route. I can't go straight to it. I need to go around the block a little, and then I'm going to come back. One of the biggest challenges when the rabbi comes to give a speech for... Kippur or Shabbat Shuvah or this time of year is to pick a topic. You know, the, the Torah is so big and you don't want to repeat on things that you said in the previous years. So you have to now open up the literature of Yom Kippur, which is endless, and you have to try to zone in on a, on a topic and try to... Well, I'll tell you what I found which surprised me and excited me. And it will become the theme of tonight's talk. So I don't know if you paid attention. In last week's Perashah, it was Netzavim. 
I mean, you, you could miss it. It's only 30 pesukim. So if you go to the bathroom during Aliyat Kohen, by the time you come back, they're in the Haftarah. So in the beginning of the, uh, of the reading, it said, Atem Nitzabin Hayom. You are standing today. And the Zorah Kadosh says, whenever it says Hayom, Hayom refers to Rosh Hashanah. So Atem Nitzabin Hayom. And who's standing? Kolechem. Everybody. Because one of the few days a year that everybody comes to shul is Rosh Hashanah. So the Batim Nitzim Hayom. Who comes to shul in Rosh Hashanah? Kolechem. And now the Torah lists who these people are. Rashechem, Shiftechem, Ziknechem, Veshotrechem, Kol Ish Israel, Tapechem, Neshechem, Megerecha Asher Bekerem Machanecha, Mechotev Etzecha, the Torah lists exactly 10 different uh, members of the society that show up to the meeting. So the Zorah Kadosh says, why does the Torah list 10? The Torah can just say, call Israel. Why does it have to delineate each one? So he says, oh, you have to divide it. Five on one side and five on the other side. The five on one side are who... And who's on the other side? Five against five. Keneged what? Keneged the Ten Commandments. That just like the Ten Commandments, you had five on one side and you had five on the other side. So the Zora Kadosh and Parashat Bo, when it sees this Pasuk, it actually sees a remez to the Ten Commandments. Okay? I don't know where it sees it. It's so ten, and therefore it says there's a remez. That is another remez of ten that the Zorah Kadosh says, and that's the Aseri Imeteshuvah. So now you have, keep, 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 keep in mind, you have the ten people, you have the ten commandments, you have the ten days of Teshuvah. Wait, there's one more. The Sfat Emet writes that the 10 days of Teshuvah correspond the 10 commandments. Each day corresponds another commandment. And therefore you go through all the 10 days and therefore by Yom Kippur you hope that that's it, you made Teshuvah the 10 commandments and therefore you go to Yom Kippur forgiven. So the Sfat Emet then says like this. This year Shabbat Teshuvah is which day? Well, Rosh Hashanah was on a Monday. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Shabbat. So it's the sixth day. Shabbat Shuvah, sixth day. What's the sixth commandment? Oh, it's hard to remember. I mean, uh, you know, now that we have cell phones, it's hard to remember anything. I'll tell you. It's the, fir- <laughs> it's the first commandment on the left side. Right. So you have Anochi, Lo Yihyeh, Lo Tisa, Hazaka Berucha. Zachorit Yom Shabbat, Kavedet Abi Kavetimecha. Now you go to the next side, the first one is Lo Tirzah. So the sixth day of Aseri Meteshuvah, which is this year Shabbat, Shabbat Shuvah, is Keneged Lo Tirzah. So I went back to the Pasuk over here and I said, wait. What is the sixth member 
of the group over here. Because we said in the Zohar Kadosh that each member of the group corresponds one of the Ten Commandments. So I went back. Rashechem, Shiftechem, Ziknechem, Shotrechem, Kol Ish Israel, Tapechem. Tapechem is the children. The sixth item is Tapechem, and the sixth commandment is Lotritzah. And I'm asking a simple question. What is the connection between Lotritzah, don't murder, and the children? What are you saying? Oh, 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 oh. If it wasn't a religious class, I would tell you to come bring a chair over here and sit over here, but we don't want to break the, uh, at least, especially before Kippur, we don't want to break the Minhag. So I said to myself, this is something that needs to be analyzed. The connection between Lotertzah and Tapecha. Tapechem, your children. There must be a Keshir. So, with that introduction of Otai, I'd like to uh, begin tonight's class. This week's parasha is Parashat Mayelech. Now, it's very, very appropriate what I'm talking about because, you know, this year was the year of Shemitah. Now we're done with Shemitah. Now we're ready Motzei Shemitah. Do you know that in the olden days, there was a special law that only took place in Motzei Shemitah. The Torah says in this week's parasha, and I quote, After seven years in Motzei Shemitah, and Haga Sukkot, everybody had to go to Jerusalem. Everybody, every single Jew, every man, every woman, every child. If you wanted to go to Florida for Sukkot, you're not allowed. You have to go for Eretz Israel. The other seven years, you can go wherever you want. You can stay home in Brooklyn, you can stay in Staten Island, you can do whatever you want. But during the eighth year, you must go to Jerusalem, and they take attendance. Everybody must be there. And what do they do? Bebo kol Yisrael... And what do they do when they get there? The king gets up and he reads the Sefer Torah and they have like a seminar. Shabbaton. And who shows up? So the Gemara says, the men, why do they go? To learn. Uh, you have a shi'ud, the men go to learn. Why do the ladies go? Well, guess what? Ladies sometimes are even better than the men. They come to the shi'udim, they listen, they ask questions. So there's no question here, why do we invite the men and why do you invite the ladies? The question is, what are you telling the kids to come? Taf, I mean, the kids usually only make disturbance. 
when you have a shi'ur by a big rabbi, they put a big sign, no children. Why? They don't, want to, don't, don't, don't interrupt. And now the Torah is coming along and saying, no, So the big question is, why the taf? What are the children doing there? They're only going to interrupt the ceremony. For that, I introduce to you a Gemara in Hagiga. Listen to an amazing story. This is a story from the history books. Lev Gima. This is the best thing we could do during Asiri Meteshubah. We get together, we learn some Gemara, we get some sources. You can't do anything better. They went to Piki'in, it's in Israel, the north, and they went to visit on the holiday Rabbi Yoshua. Olden days, they used to visit the Tzadikim, they visited Rabbi Yoshua. Amar Da'im, so Rabbi Yoshua says, What's the Hadush? What did I say in the Beit Midrash? It seems to be Yeshua got old. So he wasn't able to come to the Beit Midrash. So he said, no, say, tell me something. Amrullah, they said, Yachacham. Tell me, Dechanu. Where are your students? We drink from you. We don't give you to drink. We drink from you. They didn't want to say anything. Amar Da'im, Afar Pichin. If Shad the Beit Midrash, Beit Hadush. It can't be. There must be a Hadush. Every day you go to the yeshiva, there's a new item. Tell me what they said. They don't want to say anything. They, they don't want to teach their rabbi. Today it's not like that. Today you come to my shul, everybody's teaching me. <laughs> I read this. I looked at that. You got to hear this. Show me a book. Say this. Kulanu hachamim. Baruch Hashem. You say Baruch Hashem. Because you're not a rabbi. <laughs> But in the olden days, in the olden days, the balabayit or the or the student doesn't want to tell the rabbi hadush. He said, "No, no, we came to listen. We didn't come to tell." So anyway, the Yeshua has to pull it out of them. He says, "Shabbat shalmi hayta." Shabbat shalmi hayta. What was the question? There was a yeshiva called Yavne. In Yavne, they had a rotation. Three weeks of the month, Rabban Gamliel would speak. One week of the month, Rabbi Al-Azhar bin Azariah would speak. I'll explain you the history in a minute, how they got that rotation. Why one rabbi speaks three weeks, one rabbi speaks one week. So that's the rotation. So they ask him, Shabbat Shilmi Haita. Who, who spoke? There was Shabbat of Rabbi Azab and Azariah. It was the Shabbat of Rabbi Azab and Azariah. What was the discussion? What was the discussion? What was the topic? Amrulo be Parashat Hakel. He was talking about the Parashat Hakel. It must be it was Parashat Bayelech. That means it was right before Kippur, and he gave it the Rashad. That was his Shabbat Shuba speech. Parashat Akel. 
So if Rabbi Azab and Azak give a Shabbat Shuvah speech of Parashat Akin, that must be the topic. So he said, Umada Rashba. Look at that, they're not giving him an inch. They, it's like pulling teeth at the dentist. They don't want to say anything. Umada Rash. Akin et Ta'am. Anashim. Venashim. Vataf. Im anashim ba'im lilmod, the men come to learn. Nashim ba'ot lishmoa, the ladies come to listen. Taf, the ma'ba'im, why did the children come? So he said, Kedel iten sachar lemebi'ehem, in order that the people that bring them will get reward. I don't know what that means. But that's what he said. So the one that brings him will get reward. Now, does this sound like the biggest Hanush you ever heard? Doesn't really, to be honest with you. I'm not even sure I know what it means. But anyway, that's the Hanush he said. So they get reward. So the Biyoshua turns to them and says, You had a pearl. Like this in your hands. And you didn't want to tell it to me? He says, wow, you were playing hard to get. I said, what's the Hadush? No, we don't have the Hadush. Who spoke? What did he talk about? What did he say? Wow. The Yeshua fell out of his chair. He said, do you know what you just said? This is a margalit. And you didn't, you wanted to deprive me from this Margalit? I'm glad that I, uh, I pressed you, otherwise I would have missed this Hadush. And I'm asking a simple question, what is he talking about? Why is he all excited? So I'd like to explain it two ways. One way that's brought down by the Benish Chai, and then I'd like to introduce a new way to explain why the Yoshua was excited. And this is a very big assault. Rabbi Yoshua was a student of Rabbi Yohanan. Rabbi Yohanan had five students. Rabbi Yohanan was a great teacher. You know how I know he was a great teacher? He complimented his students. When you see a Rebbe compliment the students and say something good about them, you know he's a good teacher because he, he builds the student up. The Mishnah says, Hamisha Talmidim Ayulod Rabbi Yohanan ben Zakai. And it gives you the names. And it says, Af Hayamu Af Hu Hayamu Neshebahan. He would praise them. There was one rabbi, Rabbi El Azar ben Horkanos. He said, There was another rabbi, Yosef Kohen. He said, Hada Hasid. He's a Hasid. There was another rabbi, the Bishop On Benetanel, Yirehet. Fear of God he has. There was the Bil Azar Ben Arach. He said, Ma'yana Mitgaber. Ma'yana Mitgaber. He's like a flowing wellspring. And then he came to his student, Rabbi Yoshua, this rabbi, Rabbi Yoshua. Mm-hmm. And he said, you, 
You know what I have to say about you? You're a lucky man. You know why you're a lucky man? Because you had a good mother. Lucky is the mother that gave birth to such a boy. So the rabbis all ask, what did his mother do? I mean, what did his mother His mother had him. I mean, but guess what? I'm sure the Biyosei Akrein also had a mother. And the Bishavon Benetel also had a mother. They all came from a mother, that I guarantee you. So why all of a sudden the Biyohanan praises the mother? And don't think it's because he didn't have what to say on the Biyoshua. And nothing to say about him. Okay, so I show you that talk. No. Says the Bartenu, that's something amazing. When the Biyoshua was a little baby, his mother would rush to nurse him, finish nursing him, and then put him in the stroller and bring him to the Bet Midrash. And the little baby, Yoshua, would sit in the back of the Bet Midrash and he would, he would hear the Divrei Torah and then every day, this was the custom, everybody knew, oh, here she comes again. The rabbit's in with the little baby over there and when he got older, his mother told him, listen, when you were young, you have to know, I took you to the Bet Midrash every single day. Now, says the Benish Hai, the Biyoshua didn't understand what his mother was doing. I mean, what's the benefit to bring a baby to the Beit Midrash? Does the Biyoshua understand anything? Of course not. He doesn't understand anything. He's a baby. The rabbi's talking Kabbalah, he's talking Hadushim, baby in the back, he's sucking on his pacifier. Why does he understand anything over here? So the Biyoshua never understood what, what was my mother doing. And then the Biyohanan tells him, Ashtayu Lato. He also, he also sees my mother did something. What's the, what's the behandush my mother did? Now, all of a sudden, when he became an old man, he says, what was the handush in the Beit Midrash? They say, oh, Rabbi El-Azhar bin Azizah explained why to bring the children to the Beit Midrash. You know why to bring the children to Akhil? Even though they don't understand. And even though they're going to disrupt. But something is going to absorb into their souls. When you have a child that comes to the Beit Knesset and he just sees everybody sitting and he sees the Sifriya and he sees the great Rabbanim and he hears the Dirashah, he doesn't know what's being said. But we have what's called osmosis and it's going to get absorbed through his Neshama and you'll be surprised. Those moments in the good environment even if you go to a perfume store and you don't buy perfume, you smell good. When you come to the Bet Midrash, something of the Kiddushah will get absorbed. And this is what the B. Yoshua's mother knew. That if I just put him in the right environment, as a bit. not tomorrow morning, Rabbi, all the ladies are going to bring their grandchildren out to the Bet Midrash. You're going to have a whole uh, play group. You're going to have uh, a <laughs> That's okay. You'll be surprised. So what, what, what did the B. Azar say in the Dirashah? Bil Azar says, Why are you bringing the children? The children only disrupt. No, What does it mean, That the parents will get rewarded from this. And what's the reward that the parents are going to get? The children will grow up to have Yirat Shamayim. The children will grow up to have fear of God. Why? Because that's the greatest reward you can give a parent. When somebody comes along and says, wow, your son, your daughter, mashallah, beautiful, it's proper, then they have what's called nahat. And therefore the greatest sakhar is 
that the children will have the proper midot, the proper conduct, the proper yachama. So the Gemara says, Kedeli ten sachar, the mi is a schar. Schar, shayeladim shedem yu, yere shamayim, yere hashem, yere het. Mefo. Meha. From the influence, meha shpa'a. Meha shpa'a tova. Aba no evinu, no evinu klu. No tzirikim namin. We had somebody in Brooklyn, a lady, when she had a baby. Those days they used to have, a, I don't know if you remember, the Walkman. Remember the Walkman? You put a tape recorder in it and you paper and you push the button. Yeah. This is Hadish Amin. So this is Zechel Hurban. So she would take the Walkman and she would put it in the crib and she would play Tehillim. Tehillim, 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 Tehillim. You'd be surprised. This boy grew up. I think he reads the Tehillim once a week. Where did he get a love of the Tehillim biscuit? He didn't understand anything. But his neshama already picked it up. Instead of putting uh, uh, Barney the dinosaur and all this shnoyot, all this nonsense, the kid gets up, he wants to go to the zoo all day long. <laughs> this guy over here, he wants to read, he wants to read the Tehillim all day long. Why? So to be Yoshuat, when he heard this Hindush, he says, What? There's a pasuk in the Torah that says you bring the children to the Bet Midrash during Hakel, even though they don't understand anything. So he says, do you understand who you're telling this Hanush? This, this is the story of my life. This is a Margalit. You had a jewel. You didn't want to tell me? <laughs> Out of all people, if this Hanush talks to anybody, it talks to me more than everybody. That's the story of my mother. But I never knew that there's a source in the Torah for this behavior. I didn't know that the Torah talks about this over here. That's why he got so excited. If they would have told it to us, we would have said, yeah, nice Hadush. But he says, I'm the product of this. My rabbi used to say, Why? Your mother used to take you to the, to, to the Midrash when you were a kid. But now I understand it's documented in the Torah itself. That's the way the Benish Haith says. But in your honor tonight, and in honor of the great Rav, I'd like to explain it deeper. Why did Yeshua got so excited? And this brings us to a very, very important Yesod. There's a famous story that was told in Gemara Berachot. Look at you tonight. Gemara Yoma, Gemara Hagiga, Gemara Berachot. In a couple of minutes, we'll make sure you mashas. <laughs> the Gemara Berachot says, Oh, listen to the story. This is a story that happened in Yeshiva Yavne. I don't think there's a story like this that ever happened in history. The Rosh Yeshiva was Rabban Gamliel. Nabi Yoshua came into the Bet Midrash. This is Nabi Yoshua. And he argued on the Rosh Hashiva. He argued. He had a different opinion. The Ban Gabriel got angry at him. And he told them, go stand in the corner. Now, I was told to stand in the corner also, but I was in third grade. Nabi <laughs> Yoshua was already a grown man. But he can't tell the Rosh Hashiva, no. So he went. And the Ban Gabriel forgot about it. Now he's standing for hours. Finally, the rabbis in the yeshiva felt that the bangim is too strict. 
Look at his daughter to be a shuah because he's arguing on him. He puts him in the corner. He makes him stand over. He's not two years old. So they took a vote and they said, you know what? In the middle of the speech, they told the Magyar, oh, stop. We want to take elections. We want a new Rosh Hashiva. Oh. They deposed him in the middle of the... So the Bangamir saw that the majority wants him out. He said, okay, I, I stepped down. Now the question is, who are they going to replace him, replace him with? Yeah. So they said, okay, it'll be Yeshua. He said, no, 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 man. It looks like a fix. He's part of the Mahlouk. We don't want to make it look uh, as if this was set up. Okay, let's bring the Biakiva. Great rabbi, but he doesn't have zikhut avot. Uh, they went down the list. They said, oh, hey, we have a great young rabbi, Abir Azam and Azariah. How old is he? 18. A teenager. You're going to replace that bang with a teenager? They said, but he's very, very good. He's connected, he's rich, and people respect him. Only thing is, he's a little young. Hashem made a miracle the next night. All his black beard turned white. That's what Abiy al-Azab and Azariah said. He wasn't Shafim Shana, he was 18. But he said, Okay, the next day, he said, let me ask my wife. He has to ask his wife. His wife said, uh, what do you need it for? Just like they got rid of Rabban Gamaliel, what did they get rid of you? He said, no, king for a day. It's worth it. Okay, king for a day, Bechabot. Now we get to the story. So now Rabbi Azab becomes the new president. Rabban Gamaliel had a strict policy who he allows to enter the Bet Midrash. You had to take a very, very strict entrance exam to get into the Bet Midrash. He only took the kids that were serious and committed. The Gemara says, only people that were tocho kebaro. Tocho kebaro means they were genuine. And that's why the yeshiva was never populated so much because these are, you know, the creme de la creme. He only, took the, he only has the A class. There's no B class, C class, D class. He only took the Mitsuyanim. So what happened? That day the Bayt Rabbil Azab became the Nasi. He made an announcement. There's no more entrance exam. Kol Abba Baruch Abba. Whoever wants to come learn is welcome. He took away the guard from the Beit Midrash and he told them, let everybody in. The Gemara says, maybe they added 700 benches that day. Now, if five boys sit on a bench, that means at least 3,500 new Talmidim came into the Beit Midrash. This is laissez-faire policy. Open door. Now what happened? Imara continues with the story. Rabban Gamliel felt bad what he did to the Biyoshua. Maybe it was before Kippur. So he went to the Biyoshua to apologize. So... After back and forth, originally the Biyoshua didn't want to accept his apology. But finally, back and forth, he said, okay, forgive me. Don't forgive me because of me, forgive me because of my grandfather. Who was Rabban Gamliel's grandfather? Hillel. Hillel as a kid. He says, don't do it for my honor. Do it. Shul kivod abba. Shul kivod abba. Mahalti. So he says, good. Now, could you come back to the Beit Midrash and tell everybody that you forgave me? So the Biyoshua came back to the Beit Midrash. He said, Abotai. We took care of it. 
I'm good. I have no claims. Now the committee had to meet again. They said, well now, if you made up with him, we have to make him the Rosh Hashiva now. Give him his job back. But they said, you can't give it to him back. Because we put the Bil Azar already. And once you put a rabbi in, you can't, you can't take him down. Okay, but we have a dilemma now. So says, you know what? We're going to have a rotisserie. We'll have a rotation. They have the, like they have the Knesset, they have a rotisserie. They have the, that's uh, nothing to do. We're talking about a very good rotisserie. We'll have three weeks of Bangam Liel, and one week, Rabil Azar. So now we go back to our story. Rabbi Yoshua, he asked them when they came to visit him, Shabbat Shalmi Haita, who spoke? Was it a Bangam Liel's week? Or was it a B? El Azar bin Azariah. So they tell him it was a B Azar bin Azariah. Now watch this. Why was the Bil Azam and Azariah so lenient to let anybody into the Beit Midrash? Shouldn't the school have a standard? I mean, when you go to a school, don't they give you an entrance examination? You have to. When it came to the Bil Azam and Azariah, his rule was: you want to learn Torah, come. You know why? Because the Bil Azam and Azariah understood that if you want to change a person. The best way for a person to change, teach him Torah. You can't judge him the way he is when he comes into the Pepetrash. The guy comes in dungarees and a t-shirt and he has a ponytail and he has a, you know, Egelazab around his neck. Comes, ah, this guy over here, nah, not for you. You'd be surprised. Bring him in. Don't look at the way he looks. Let him come sit down and learn. And the Gemara says, Or The light of the Torah can bring anybody back. That's what Bil Azar understood. The Torah is powerful. And the Torah penetrates, penetrates the soul. And therefore the Torah can have a tremendous impact. That was Bil Azar's opinion. Now, who was instrumental in bringing Bil Azar to become the Rosh Hashiva? I mean, it was because of that fight. So therefore, God used Rabbi Yoshua to move away the Bangam Liel and to put in Now, Rabbi Yoshua, by the way, is very happy because Rabbi Yoshua said, if Torah was able to affect me, as an infant, when I didn't understand anything, certainly Torah can influence an adult who can understand. So the Yoshua was very, very happy that God orchestrated through him that the Bil Azar should be the one to say, anybody can enter the Bet Petrash. It went through the Yoshua. Hashem made it that way. Now what happened? Yushua got old. He couldn't come to the Beit Midrash anymore. So he didn't know what was going on in the Beit Midrash. Do they still accept all these kids? Or maybe the Bagam Liel took over and maybe they went back to the old policy. So he told them, who was the rabbi that spoke in the Beit Midrash today? 
They said, Mil Azam and Azariah. What did he talk about? He said, Wow, Rabbi, he gave a speech today. Yeah, Habibi. He said that you have to bring the children to Hakim, even though they don't understand anything, in order to get reward. And the reward is that the children will get something. So the Biyoshua says, Wow, he's still talking about that? He still has that shita, he still has that philosophy that the Torah can change. That means it's still open door policy, it must be. If that's the speech he gave on Shabbat Shuvah, that must be that he's still following his opinion. So he says, don't you understand? I was the one that installed Rabbi Azam bin Azariah. And I was very happy because his policy is exactly the story of my life. If Torah was able to influence me, when I didn't understand the word, could you imagine what Torah will do to people that do understand? You had such a jewel of information and you don't want to tell it to me? Don't you know that I'm directly related to this story? Through me, Rabbi Yoshua was, Rabbi Azar was nominated. But I didn't know if they were still following that open door policy. But now that you tell me that the Shabbat Shuvah speech of Rabbi Al-Azhar bin Azariah was that? I see. If that's what he chose for his Shabbat Shuvah speech, because he's speaking Parashat Vayakir. Vayakir is always Parashat Vayelech. Parashat Vayelech is always before Kippur. And that's the Parashat Vayakir. He said, if that's what he chose for the theme of his Shabbat Shuvah speech, must be for sure he's still pushing his agenda, and that's the right agenda. Because that agenda is the story of what happened to me. And therefore, the deep explanation to that Gemara. So what do we see from here in Botai? When it comes to making Teshuvah, the main ingredient of Teshuvah, they tell you, confess the sin, Regret the sin. Make a resolution for the future. We know all that. But the main element that Hachamim bring down is learn Torah. Because once you start to learn Torah, the Torah will start to change you. If a person just thinks he's going to bang on his chest and he's going to shake the Averot and Tashtik by moving his lapel like this, but Tashtik was what, yeah, and he doesn't go to the yeshiva and learn, the avirot will just come back and it will not make a change. The only thing that's able to change people is Talmud Torah. If you'd ask me, the most important resolution a person should make on the high holidays, Shi'ure Torah. Don't tell me, but I'm not so religious, but I don't dress like this, it doesn't matter. We follow the Bila Azab and Azariah. Mm-hmm. How do I know we follow the Bila Azab and Azariah? It's the first Mishnah Pirkei Avot. What does the Mishnah Pirkei Avot say? The men of the Great Assembly. Him, Amru, Shlosha, Devarim. I'm checking this ticket on that. Ma Amru. Hevu, Mitunim, Badim. Whatever that means. Vaha'amidu, Talmidim, Harbeh. What does that mean? Teach many students. What is he saying? Don't go like the bank of the air that only taught a few students. When you have the Bet Midrash or you have the Yeshiva, you let everybody in. 
When it comes to teaching Torah, let the Torah have the influence, and therefore, in this case, we follow the quantity. And from the quantity, you'll end up getting quality. But if you're only going to choose quality, you're going to deprive a lot of people that could have changed, but you didn't expose them. And therefore, let anybody come into the Beit HaMidrash, you never know, the Torah has the ability to make a metamorphosis and a, 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 a positive change on the person. Men and women alike. And this is especially important and especially significant when it comes to our children. I have a speech that I brought with me. This speech was given in the year Tafshim Nunhe. What is that? 55. 65, 75, about 30 years ago. The speech was given at a convention of rabbis of Agudat Israel, and the one that was giving the speech was none other than Rav Pam and this is a fiery speech he's going to make he was known to be you know humble quiet tzaddik but here he blew the, the roof off he came along and he said he says, we're talking about the situation that we're living in. It seems in that year, it was a very difficult year for the Jews. It seems there was a lot of terrorist attacks in Israel. And there was a lot of... Uh, the father must have been going on. And he was, he was concerned about it. And he's saying, why is God so angry? Why is God killing so many of our people? And he goes on to say... There's so many people sicknesses that are just coming from, from nowhere. They often tadir on a steady basis. And young men and young girls. The Yiladim, children. He said, what's going on? Rapam presented in front of the convention. What is going on over here? Where is this coming from? The God is angry. And when somebody's angry, he needs to be appeased. And until you appease him, he just gets more angry. This year we had a rough year too, Rabotai. I didn't do the statistics of the terrorists. We had a rough year at the end of the year this week. In a couple of weeks, we lost, I remember now, 19, I think, in just a matter of a couple of weeks, Hashem Yom Kom Damam. We lost great Sadiqim this year in Klaas, here, Zachariah Wallace, Tira Amashom, a big, big Sadiq, taken in the prime of his life. My good friend, Yanki Maya, Adam Shalom, Sadiq, you saw Olam, boom, he got taken. And diseases and sickness, the anger is still here, so the question is, what is the, what is the way to appease this Rapam's question? He says, I'm sorry. 
We don't have the Bi'im. He says, if we had the Bi'im, they would tell us what's going on. We don't have Urim V'tumim, he says. Because if we had the Urim V'tumim, Urim V'tumim will tell us. He says, but I could take a guess. And he comes along and he tells us a story. When the brothers took Yosef and they threw him into the pit. And whose idea was to throw him into the pit? You said Reuven? Reuven. Reuven, you said? Yes, beautiful. You're right, 100% right. Reuven. No, that's right, Reuven. He said Reuven. I heard somebody say Yehuda, but he said Reuven. Abotai. Reuven said, throw him in the pit. What was the purpose? Yehuda wanted to kill him. So Reuven said, no, no, don't kill him. Throw him in the pit. His intention was, he'll come back. He'll come back and take him out. Meantime, they went down to have lunch, the brothers. They Reuven was on the side. When he came back, the brothers had taken him out already and sold him. Reuven didn't know this. So when Reuven comes back to the, the pit, he comes along and he says, Hayeled enenu. He said, the child is missing. Vani, and regarding me, Anna Aniba, where am I going to hide? What does he have to hide for? That she says, Anna Ibrah Mitzaharoshil Abba. Where am I going to hide from the pain that this is going to cause my father? It's my fault. If I would have saved Yosef, it would save my father now from a lot of anguish. Anna, Vaani, Anna Ariba, where am I going to hide myself? Said Rav Pam. You know what causes Abba, Abinu Shiba Shamayim, Tsar? Hayeled Enenu. When he sees all the generation of children, that they're not getting Torah education. That the children are being lost to the street, that the children are getting lost to internet and to culture and to drugs and to gambling. And Clyde Sale is going on their way and we're watching the generations disappear in front of our eyes. And the Pasuk says, that already causes Sa'ar Shil Abba. That's what Rapam said. And he said, that's why God's angry. Because he's angry and he's taking it out on the children because we don't care about our own children that they should be studying Torah like they should. And if we start to worry about Sa'ar Shil Abba and start to bring the children back to the study of the Torah and adults as well, because that's the only way you can bring the children back. The adults have to come back themselves also. If the children don't see the adults studying Torah, they're not going to study Torah either. He says, the source of our problems is Hayyelid Enenu. Now, Edmund Arizal said, Arizal said, there's a Pasuk in Tehillim, 
אין נקמות אדוני, אין נקמות הופיעה, that God is the God of revenge. God is called אין נקמות. And God forbid, when does God take נקמה? When Barmenani sees the generations are, are declining, והילד איננו. When he sees that the kids are not, Baruch Hashem, we have young boys today, tonight, young girls coming to the Shurim. This gives God nahat ruah. This alleviates the pain of God. But this is the exception. Says the Arizal, when the Uven came along and said, Hayyelid enenu, then he says, Va'ani ana, Ani ana, Ani ana rashetevot, El nekamot Adonai, El nekamot ufiya. Va'ani ana, because of that, Hashem becomes vengeful. Hashem becomes angry. Rabbi was telling us in his way only to the study of Torah of the youth. And Rabbi Yeshua said, if it has an effect on an infant, certainly it will have an effect on an adult. And therefore, today we have to open up the doors of the shuls and the doors of the schools. And never question or judge if the child will take to it. If we give him the Torah the right way, he has to take to it. The Torah does its, does its magic. And that's why Shabbat Shuvah, this year is the sixth day, the sixth day is Keneged Tapechem. And the sixth commandment is Keneged Lotirzah. This year on Shabbat Shuvah, the Torah is reminding us, don't kill the children. Have mercy on your children. Lotirzah Tapechem. How? I'm not doing anything. Exactly, by not doing anything, that's how you're killing them. Instead, we have to be bringing them to the yeshivas. Bring them to the st- and bring the parents to the yeshiva because if the kids don't see the parents learning, they don't learn, that's killing the kids. Killing them how? Remember when they threw Yosef into the pit? It said there was no water. What was instead? Snakes, Snakes and scorpions. The Gemara, the Hakamim say, water is Torah. The board represents the cavity of the brain. If you don't fill the child's brain with water of Torah, something else is going to occupy that space. And you know what's going to occupy it? Snakes and scorpions. Nahashim v'akrabim. Barmanan, all the... I want to say, all the, all, all the bad stuff. We'll put it that way. Put it, we'll put it in a nice language. Show the kiyah. So therefore, a person shouldn't say, well, my son won't learn Torah, but at least... It'll be good. No, it can't be. Because if there's a vacuum, something's going to fill it up. It doesn't remain empty. It doesn't become Switzerland, uh, neutral. That doesn't remain part. Something is going to go in there. And what's going to go in there is not going to be good. The competition against Ma'im is Nahashim Akrabim. And if the kid has Nahashim Akrabim, and then God says, You destroyed my children. These are innocent. You destroyed my children, Barmedan Haron Af comes down into the world. Tapechem no tirzah.
Oh, now we go back to the original Gemara. There are some people that think that the Torah is very good, but the Torah has to be flexible with the times. Uh, you cannot have an old Torah for a new generation. I mean, if you have an iPhone, every couple of months we get an upgrade. 16.0, 17.0, 18.0. It's because you have to keep up. And the Torah, listen, when the Torah was given 1.0, 3,000 years ago, it was very good. But listen, times changed, ideologies changed, society changed. The Torah cannot remain 1.0. And therefore, there is a belief that says, we have to look what's going on in society. And then we will mold our religion based on the conduct in the, in the street. That means we need to secularize the Torah and make it more, what should I say? Well, not interesting, but more compatible with modern values. And if certain things in the Torah offend modern values, you got to erase it. And you have to say, not for us. And you have to adjust things and add things and take away things. And if the Torah says, you know, Shabbat, you can't do this. Well, that was in those days. Today we have modern technology. Maybe. And then you have to keep on playing around with it. Chewing gum, exactly. You know who the Shita believes in that? That's the Sidduqim. And they believe society, secular society, is the one that decides, and our Torah must fit into that, to that mode. And that's why, when they brought the Ketoret, where did they bring the Ketoret? They bring it outside the Kodesh Kodashim, because they say that the fragrance of religion must get its aroma from the outside. And then it from the outside will permeate the Kodesh Kodashim. The Kodesh must get its flavor and aroma from the outside. That was a hashkafa that they had. Therefore, we must send our kids to college and they must get an education and whatever they're teaching, that's the society and then we'll work it out. And the Pirushim said, Hazm Shalom. The aroma must come from the Kodesh Kodashim, from the sanctification of the Holy of Holy. And from there, the Kodesh Kodashim influences the rest of the world. It's not the world that will influence the Kodesh. It is the Kodesh that influences everything else. That the society, at least Jewish society, has to be influenced and, and molded by the Kodesh, not vice versa. The Bashem and that's why they make the coin swear. Because this over here, Judaism is dependent on it. And how do I know? Anybody ever meet a tzeduki? No. I didn't. You know why? They don't exist anymore. Because when you work from the outside trying to change the inside, the outside will always get you. And you drown into the outside and you become assimilated. And before you know it, you're gone. But those that stuck to the traditional values of Torah, 
And I don't have to tell you today, Rabotai, today if you think that the secular values are going to teach your children anything that's worthwhile, you're making a big mistake. I recently read an article, I made a copy of it. I thought it was very significant. A few years ago, a student at an Ivy League school told me, the first thing you learn in your freshman year is never to say what you are thinking. The institution he attended claims to train the world's future leaders. From what that young man reports, the opposite is true. The school is training future self-censors, which means future followers. He then goes on to say, he continued, dysfunctional kids are coddled and encouraged to nurture grievances, while normal kids are attacked and educationally abused. Unfortunately, the wokeness taught on college campuses has seeped into corporate America, where it's hard to tell if the bosses are in charge or the social justices. Which means, in this article, which is the Wall Street Journal, the author is saying, we don't want to hire kids from this anymore. We'd rather hire kids who did not go to these colleges because they're coming in with such warped ideology and such wokeness and such craziness. We can't run a business with them. We'd rather hire a kid that graduated from the yeshiva and took a couple of courses on the Zoom. He's better off. Look what they're saying now. They'd rather hire kids from regular but not from Ivy League cars, because they're coming out... Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy, exactly. They're coming out... So if you think that we're going to raise our children from the outside, and then we'll bring them to the inside, that's the Duki philosophy, and they haven't survived it. And therefore, on Yom Kippur, the lesson is that we must bring our children into the Kodesh, and that's where the Ketoret is brought, and let the light of the Ketoret and the aroma influence the outside. We don't compromise our values. And the lesson is to teach our children Torah, and that's why the Bil Azar bin Azariah on his Shabbat Shuvah speech, he said, bring the kids to Akil. Bring them to Akil. And when the Bishra heard it years later, he said, wow, that's what he spoke about? But that means the yeshiva is still following his policy. Let everybody in. Because the Torah has an unbelievable, magical ability in order to lift the people. And going into Yom Kippur, I say to our members, let us accept upon ourselves just a little more learning. The Yetzirah will tell you, make every Kabbalah, I'm going to accept upon myself, just don't learn. Just don't learn. Because he knows once you start learning. I read the Ben Yonah today. The Ben Yonah writes in Zigeret at Teshuvah, Yesod at Teshuvah. On the day that you become a part of Teshuvah, if normally you learn one page, accept upon yourself to learn two. Which basically he was saying, Hashivenu avinu netoratecha. In the Beracha of Teshuvah, how do we begin the Beracha? Not Hashivenu avinu netoratecha. Hashivenu avinu netoratecha. And once you bring us back to Torah Techa, then Baruch Hashem The road back to God is through learning. And therefore, this is where we should put our, our focus, this is where we should put our, our minds. And then, Be'azat Hashem, if 
If we accept upon ourselves just a little extra in the area of Limudat Torah, all of a sudden the Torah will start to go into your souls. Like it went into the pure soul of Rabbi Yeshua as an infant. Like it went into all those extra students on the 700 benches in the yeshiva of Rabbi Al-Azhar. And it will start to bring them to different levels. This is the bargalit that I came to give you tonight. I have given you a pearl. I've Ah, yes, a good question. Yes, a good question. Yes, but I agree. I agree. But you know what? We shouldn't let the Yitzhara, even though it's expensive. I don't argue with you. I also have to pay tuition also. But I'll tell you how I justified it. I pay a lot of insurance also. And I hate to write the check to the insurance. I have to pay house insurance, fire insurance, car insurance, health insurance. I mean, I pay when I have to use it. But we have to write the check. When I write the check for the yeshiva, I used to write in the memo, assimilation insurance. <laughs> this is money to guarantee that my child will not assimilate. Okay, it's a premium. It's a premium. But guess what? The price to pay, if God forbid, something goes wrong, is much more expensive than that tuition. I'm just justifying it. I know it's expensive, even after what I just said, but I'm just justifying it in my brain. That's what made, made it easier for me to write the check, because I know I'm paying an insurance policy, but Batman, if something goes wrong and you don't have insurance, now already have to pay, you pay the real price. And it's true, in the Bir Azaz time, they would let you in for a small amount of money. But my, my opinion is, and I tell it to the yeshivas, that we should never refuse a child because he doesn't have the money to pay. If the money, if he has the money to pay, okay, why should he get a free year ride? They're paying for, to go to Aruba for one week for $20,000. You can't pay tuition for 10 months for whatever the cost is. You have to have your priorities straight. But if a child, at least in the yeshiva that I'm in, if a child comes and legitimately cannot pay, what do we care? That's the least thing we have to worry about. First, we have to help the SOS, save our souls. And don't worry about uh, somebody else who's rich will, will take care of him and, and, and he'll get his zikhud. That's the crisis where Palm said. And when the yelled is enenu, ani ana. And when we do the opposite, when we concern ourselves about the education of ourselves and the children, that takes away the rogues. And then we say, the rogues are hemtiskor, the rogues are habatiskor, the rogues are kedatiskor, the rogues are mutiskor. Adonai Oshia, Amelech Ya'anen of Yom Korenu, Amen Ve'Amen.